Hello to everyone listening. Thank you for joining for another podcast in The Deeper Part. I'm here with Steve Brind, as always. Hello, Reese. Really excited to be here for this one. Yep. It's going to be a good one, Steve. I'm sensing it. It's going to be a good one. Um, today, we're talking about the bit of Isaiah, to be fair, other than for unto us a child is born bit. Like Isaiah 6 is probably the most known bit of Isaiah. The send me, the vision, the commission of Isaiah. Um, and you unpack that really, really well in uh, the series on YouTube, uh, in which it's entitled Isaiah's Vision and Commission. Uh, and we're just going to talk about biblical and godly vision and commission uh, in an applicable sense for us in our lives. And so you end, we start with the end of what you said in that video, which was a call really to the people listening, to anyone who's listening. Uh, bring the message that God has given us in the way that God has gifted us, that in the way that God has commissioned us, find your calling, be willing to be used by God and throw yourself into it. I guarantee that it's a life worth living. It was a huge phrase and I thought, yes, we're starting with that. That is a good, good soundbite. And I just want to go straight in and ask, man, where does that start? Yeah, and it is a, a big thing. And I, and I got excited preaching it because it is where my heart is, you know. It, it, this, this Christian thing that, that we have is not about sitting on the sidelines. It really isn't. It isn't about just being one of a number. It's about committing everything we have to the king of the universe. That's massive. And I got excited even as I was preaching the message, even though it's something that's been close to my heart for a long time. But it begins, you know, for Isaiah with a great vision of God. That's the starting point. And we don't want to sort of whip up something within ourselves. We're not trying to um, raise our emotions or get all excitable or um, can someone give me an amen? This, this is not what was, was going on here for Isaiah. What happened for him is he saw God and he literally saw God. He had a massive vision of the God of the universe who, who was so huge that even in his vision, he filled the temple, even the edge of his robe filled the temple uh, and all the angels flying around and shouting, holy, holy, holy. The most extraordinary thing, when you see a vision of God like that, it changes you. It really does. It makes all the difference in your life. And you just can't forget it. And that was the place that it came from for Isaiah. This is where his calling began, where his commissioning began, and where his fire for God began, where his excitement for God began. Because up until then, of course, probably he knew about God and he, he, he'd been around godly things. But this was the moment which changed everything for him. And I'm just... Right now, even at the start, I tell you what, we're going into this real hard, aren't we? But, but I'm right at the start, I'm praying for everyone who's listening that you're going to have a massive vision of a massive God because mm. it will change your life. Mm. Absolutely. And I, man, I think about like the vision, like including angels and whatever, a realm that we don't naturally understand. Like, presumably, you can't even accurately describe that. Like, if you're Isaiah, you can't describe what you've seen. And so there's no way to overhype something that you can't even describe the grandeur of. And so there's a beauty in this, that we're not overhyping a God to make him bigger than he is. We will really never fully understand just how big and how awesome God is and how holy. And so actually it begins with just trying to see a glimpse of that and that transforming us. 
Yeah, and even if you think about those angels, you know, how, as you say, how do you describe an angel that's got six wings and what it's doing with it? It's, it's extraordinary. And these are God's personal bodyguards. So they're kind of like the highest rank of angel you can get to. And we, we read in the Bible that one single angel killed 186,000 people of the enemy in one night. And that was an ordinary angel. And these, these are the, like the, the, the top angels within, the, within that, that sort of um, sphere of heaven. And Isaiah gets to see this. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. If we only had that vision of God, that understanding of his majesty, it would change us. Mm, absolutely. Um, throughout the episode, throughout the, the kind of teaching series, we uh, see kind of words or hear words from you uh, that are buzzed throughout and uh, obviously in the scripture themselves and you draw them out. And so look at commissioning, calling, God's glory, a God-given vision, finding what God's got for you, being willing, um, and just being willing to be sent. And we see Isaiah as that. What do you think the build-up for Isaiah before this thing is? Yeah, and, and of course, we've talked about the fact that he would have been around Christian things in that sense, around spiritual things a, a lot before. Uh, it, it comes out of that beginning with Uzziah, King Uzziah, um, fails and he's a good king but he fails and the end of his life is, is failure and against that is the image of God saying look I want to be king over your lives and it all comes out of that recognition of God as king and as Isaiah sees that that vision it was sort of amazing really I thought that the, 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 the cold touches his lips and then they, they call out and say who's who will go for us and amongst all these angels Isaiah hears himself saying here am I Send me. And sometimes I feel a bit like that. I think, God, are you going to do this with me? Mm. And, and, and who am I? I'm nobody, you know. And yet God says, I'm calling you. Mm. And I'm calling you to do something specific and something special for me. I, I don't think you can get more exciting than that. The, the God of heaven calls you. It, it's, it's more exciting than if um, Wayne Pivak called up and said, I'd like you to play number 10 next week. You know, <laughs> it's just it, it's the most exciting thing that God says, come on. Yeah. Come, come and be involved in, in the building of my kingdom. Just maybe not in this Welsh squad. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay on the sidelines for that one, please, Wayne. <laughs> um, that's wicked. Uh, I think I want to, it's not deviating, but there's a really interesting cultural thing that's happened in the past week whilst we're recording, um, which is Reddit, Wall Street, GameStop, stocks, proper normal people, potentially bringing down Wall Street. Um, and talking about like vision and like commission, uh, it's just a really interesting example of a, well, a cultural example, really, not like a godly example, not a biblical example, but just a cultural thing that's happened where someone has a vision to do something way larger than they would ordinarily have the power to do. And so with that calls for others to join and then achieve something massive. Do it, like you've been reading up on this this past week. Do you just want to explain what we're talking about when we're looking at Reddit, we're looking at GameStop, we're looking at Stark and Wall Street? Yeah, I think what you say about ordinary people changing the world is really quite something. In this instance, so you've got a whole bunch of uh, stockbrokers who their, their business is to understand whether stocks will go up or down, etc. And effectively what's happened is that they've bet on some stocks that they think are going to go down because they think that they're pretty much uh, dead and dying. And as a result of that, they're looking to make a lot of money on betting that these stocks will go down. So a certain group of people got quite cross about this and said, actually, we quite like these companies and we're offended that people would make 
obscene amounts of money when they already have obscene amounts of money by looking to destroy these companies. So let's band together. If enough of us come together, we can send the, the um, value of these stocks to the roof. And they, in fact, they use this expression to the moon. We're going to send them to the moon. And what happened is that the, the, the particular stock in, in question, GameStock, went, went just incredibly high, way beyond what it should have done. I don't know, 20 or 30 times what it should have done. Absolutely incredible. And it all came about from people sharing together on social media, saying we, we're not prepared to let this happen. We're going to work together on this. Um, and we're going to bring about this, this thing which, which will change the face of finance in America. Now, how extraordinary is that? And that's exactly what's happening right now. Who knows how long it'll go on for? Who knows how long that, that, that bubble will last for? But that's kind of not the point. The point is that, that people got together and said, we could do this. Now, I want to encourage everybody out there. If you are a Christian, we have a message that goes way beyond simply bringing down Wall Street. Yeah. We have a message that goes way beyond the egalitarian, everyone should be okay in this world. We have a message that talks about bringing about the end of evil mm. and ushering in a kingdom of righteousness. Mm. We, we have a message that talks about the king of kings. And it, it's so exciting. And it comes, folks, with the power of the spirit. And sometimes then it surprises me that we manage to sit on the sidelines and say, well, do you know what? It's not really for me or... I, I, I'm okay, I'm comfortable. Mm, absolutely, yeah, it's just one of those fascinating examples. I say one of those fascinating examples, it's never happened before. So yeah. it's a brand new thing that's happened. Um, and just, again, Mark says, I may as well start paying him. Um, he, he talks about it because he loves like this kind of stuff. And uh, he, he tweeted, another battlefield opens up in the escalating war between decentralized networks and established institutions. And man, <laughs> if we could transfer that and translate that into uh, spiritually kind of centralized networks, centralized networks on the person of Jesus, just saying we're not okay with the way things have kind of settled and, and the established order of things, like we're bringing about a message uh, that, as you said, is so much greater than what we've seen this week. We believe uh, that God wants to reach nations and the entirety of those nations as well and man if we could just capture and and just pick up what the spirit is doing every single day and renewing in us and just see the goodness of god and see his grandeur and just capture a bit of that then that would change us so dramatically to live a life that is transformative for the people around us. it would make such a big difference wouldn't it and, and as i look at what happened for Isaiah. So he starts to talk a lot about a remnant, a, a small number of people. He says, okay, so this is the people of God and, and, and it, it's everybody in Israel. But actually I can see that those who are following strongly, those who are chasing hard after God is a, is a small number, it's a remnant. And that idea comes through, you know, all of Isaiah, and we're gonna talk about it in future talks, etc. But it also comes through in, in what happens with Jesus as he brings together a group of 12. And those 12 people change the world. I mean, they change the world. Our dating system comes from the fact that these 12 people change the world. Mm. The, the, the religion that is the, the primary religion around the world, and whether it's uh, uh, people who are on fire for God or just um, own the name of Christian, that the, the, the primary religion in the world comes from those 12 people. They change the world. 
That's extraordinary. There's no smaller remnant than that 12 that begins everything. And sometimes, you know, we look around and we say, well, there's not many people in Christ uh, Christians in Britain. There's not many people who are fighting on the same side. There's not many people who, and so on. We feel quite sort of small. Well, what can we do? So I'm going to settle back onto my sofa. But 12 people changed the world. And we need to, I think, hold on to that and say, God, let's get a great vision about you once again. Now, let me tell you, there was nothing special about those 12 uh, apostles who were originally disciples who were originally ordinary people mm. but when they were filled with the power of the spirit when they were touched by a message and a vision of god it brought about life-changing and world-changing results mm. amen let's talk about the cost of that um, i know you say the message was difficult for isaiah to bring um, and there's a cost involved, and man, there is scripture after scripture that talks about the cost and the worth of, of and it being worthy of the cost, and so let's just open that up. Yeah, the, it, it really is worth it, and, but there really is a cost. You're absolutely right. And when I was growing up, I suppose, I read some of those verses about uh, suffering persecution for the sake of Christ and, and, and this kind of thing. And I guess in Britain, I hadn't seen very much of it. And even, I suppose, going to school and some people would laugh at you for being a Christian and so on. I, I remember there's this one guy who, who wrote me a letter some years afterwards. He said, I became a Christian because I saw other people who uh, mocked you and, and laughed at you because you were a Christian. But I saw that you never rose to it. And you, uh, you were always really kind of calm about it and just, just let it be. And it sort of never really occurred to me that that was a big thing. And it probably wasn't in that sense a big thing. I mean, think about the sort of persecution that happens in other countries towards Christians. In, in China, people put in prison for it. In North Korea, executed. In, in Nigeria, there are mobs of, of, of militant Muslims who, who are coming and, and literally uh, macheting Christians in their churches and in their beds. It's extraordinary what's happening around the world against Christians. And yet in our culture, there are those things where um, Christianity is not respected, where our faith is not respected, where where there are inroads being made against what we believe almost on a year-by-year -year basis. And so those things, I suppose, do come as, as persecution. And even in that soft way, it can affect our faith quite badly. Revelation talks about the fact that there are two beasts. And one of those is characterized by power and might, and the other is characterized by persuasion. And I believe very much that we in Western civilization, live in, in, under the power of that second beast, where persuasion is so powerful, where the temptation to simply sit and watch Netflix or to buy whatever we want to buy on the internet, it, it overwhelms our desire for Christ. And not to say any of those things are wrong, they're not wrong, but when they become more important to be the Jesus, mm. then I, I think probably society has broken in and won a little bit. And I guess that's what Isaiah comes to, is that whereas everyone around him was going to the temple and they were worshipping and offering their sacrifices and so on and so on, and yet God is saying, I don't want to hear any more of this because your hearts are a million miles from me. And Isaiah sees this amazing vision of God, and it wakes him up to the fact that everyone around him is a bit nominal, a bit cold. It's like, wow, God, we need to say something about this. We need to do something about this. And then God says, well, okay, that's fine. You're going to bring the message, and no one's going to listen but still bring the message, still bring it. Because this is not a results-based business. This is not about that. It's about a faith-based business. I rely on God and I bring his message and I let him water it and I let him do with it what he's gonna do. And every day I'm faithful to it and say, okay then Lord, what are you gonna do with this today? Because we've seen him, 
because we've seen him. That's so good. And John Piper says, there's no cost that you can pay in following Jesus that won't be made up a thousandfold in the resurrection. And then someone else says, we're given a deep and abiding joy when we lay down our lives, one that can't be realized in security and comfort. That's uh, Jen Oshman. Um, and on the notion of a big vision, you said to the moon about uh, GameStop and Reddit, and that was their vision, like, let's, let's rise this stock to the moon. Um, someone who I love the story of, Dr. Helen Rosevia, um, her biography is titled, Give Me This Mountain. And it's a very similar message. God, give me this mountain. Give me the people on this mountain place. And uh, she's a lady that went to uh, the Congo. Um, and her story is just a really incredible one. There's so much brokenness in it. Um, man, she went there and war broke out in the Congo. And she was actually beaten up and raped and just consistently like a victim of abuse. But um, she set up medical missions in the Congo and, and set that up in different places and, and trained people to become nurses and brought the message of Jesus in the middle of the brokenness because she believed she'd received the call. And um, I'm fascinated by the start of her story, actually, where it's 1945. Um, she had met the Lord on a student retreat. She'd met God and she gave her testimony on the final evening. Um, and so the Bible teacher at this uh, event after that, Graham Scroggy, uh, wrote Philippians 3.10 in her Bible and said, Tonight you've in entered into the first part of this verse, that I may know him. This is only the beginning, and there's a long journey ahead. My prayer for you is that you will go on through the verse to know the power of his resurrection, and also, God willing, one day perhaps, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto death. And she felt an increased sense of calling um, towards missions and publicly declared during a missions gathering in North England, I'll go anywhere God wants me to go, whatever the cost. Afterwards, she went up into the mountains and had it out with God. Okay, God, today I mean it. Go ahead. Make me more like Jesus, whatever the cost. But please know myself fairly well. When I feel I can't stand anymore and cry out, stop, will you ignore my stop? And remember that today I said, go ahead. What a message. And man, did she mean it. She goes on and li just lives an incredible life. And honestly, I'd just say, read that book or just Google her story and you'll see video after video. And yeah, just an incredible lady. And someone who it's said of, like there's, there's a quote about her that says, she was a woman of whom the world was not worthy. That's insane. That's incredible. And uh, another example of seeing God for who he is, seeing the Christ and saying he's worthy of it all. I want to take it up. I've received what God has given. I believe there's a vision for my life and I'm going to walk it out. And that's John Wesley. And man, I'm impacted every time I hear this specific story where basically um, he had just finished he had just bought like paintings for his room. <laughs> um, and it says when he'd finished buying some paintings for his room, uh, when one of the chambermaids came to his door, it was a winter day and he noticed that she only had a thin linen uh, gown to wear for protection against the cold. He reached into his pocket to give her some money for a coat and found he had little left. It struck him 
the Lord was not pleased with how he had spent his money. He asked himself, Will thy master say, Well done, good and faithful steward. Thou hast adorned thy walls with the money that might have screamed at this poor creature from the cold. O justice, O mercy, are not these pictures the blood of this poor maid? It's quite a stark statement. Um, but then as a result, his life is transformed and he says, Wesley began to limit his expenses so that he would have more money to give to the poor. He records that one year his income was £30 and his living expenses was 28 So that year he gave £2 away. The next year his income doubled. He lived on 28 and gave 32 away. And the third year his income jumped to £90. Again he lived on 28 giving £62 away. The fourth year he made £120. Living again on 28 he gave £92 away. And then it goes on to say, uh, one year his income was slightly over £1,400. He gave away all and saved 30. He was afraid of laying up treasures on earth, so the money went out in charity as quickly as it came in. He reports that he never had as much as £100 at one time. And that, in today's money, accounts to that final year, that 1400 accounts to 160 grand earned in that year. And he lived after 20. Um, and just like, man, a man who was captured by a vision of generous giving and said, you know what? Yeah, I don't need this. I'm storing up my treasures in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And now if you feel condemned and, and convicted by any of that, well, kind of good. Um, but, but also in, in a way, kind of let, let's, let's go back to one of the things we said near the start, which is that God wants to bring you in your gifting, in your style, in your way to what he is commissioning you for. And so you may be called, like John Wesley, to, to act in that way. And you may be called um, to, to, to give in that kind of way, but you may not. But 100% God will call you. Mm. If you wouldn't wish to be called, if you are willing, if you're available, God will call you. Mm. And, and our responsibility is to say, okay, God, you're calling me. And I'm going to be faithful to that calling that you bring me to. And so if any of that sounds scary, it, it really doesn't need to because my experience of this is that when God calls, he calls you into areas that will be passionate for you, will be exciting for you, will be a delight for your soul, even if they are hard, even if it means that you do have to sacrifice and you give. Um, we talked actually before the, 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 the recording began about maybe uh, not getting eight hours sleep every night if, if God's calling you in that way. And I've experienced that many times where just the, dealing with church business and church meetings, preparing for messages, preparing for what God wanted me to do, and then going to work, uh, the, the, to secular work the next day, meant that I didn't get eight hours. It just didn't. And, and that might be night after night after night. But that's what God was calling me to. And that's the, the, the gift and the sacrifice that I was actually delighted to bring and still delighted to bring to God because he's called me into his service. And there can be nothing more exciting than being commissioned to serve the king of the universe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just one of the final examples, I guess, from me, um, and the beauty of this, the absolute beauty of this is that in, as insiders in a kind of foreign culture, as we all are in the normal world of work, this call is for the office. This call is for, I mean, if you're not in an office, but still just work in a normal environment, the bar, the whatever, the whatever, the call is for each and every person to pick up the mantle of what God has given them and to spring forth and bring up new wells and dig wells where wells have been filled in. And uh, just one of the examples then, 
Um, yeah, the final one is an exciting one because it's us as Welshmen, uh, the Welsh revival, the 1904 revival, where Evan Roberts famously said, bend me, oh God, I'm willing. And man just obviously began to pray fervently for revival, for the spirit of God to move amongst people. And man, just a picture of, said uh, when he preached, he preached like at the coal mines, eventually like in the churches but man he was like so passionately for the gospel that he would go to the coal mines and preach and the only piece of skin that you could really see the color of on people's face was the tear stained removed coal stains from these people's faces as they received the gospel they received the message of who jesus was and cried their eyes out and so all you could see of their skin was where the tears had left clean marks and man what a picture of the gospel that the, the stains are removed and it brings purity and, and cleanliness and um, yeah and hearts after God and obviously that transformed Wales for that period and went unto the nations and he was just the son of a coal miner um, and an apprentice blacksmith himself um, passionately believing and saying God use me so yeah it's there's man the call we can trace through history the people who've said yes to that calling that will look like for so many people the call to be a good mother, a good father, a good son, a good nephew, a good niece, a good auntie, a good uncle, a good whatever. Um, but that call is for all of us. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I, I think probably the, the last thing to say for me would be around each of those examples were individuals saying to God, send me. Sometimes we wait for our friends to be around us or for somebody else to join the fight with us. And God says, no, I'm calling you. This is an individual thing in your heart. Will you be prepared to go forward? And for me, it's been about saying, okay, then, Lord, if no one else does, then I will go. And I want to encourage everybody, if you're out there and you're, you're hearing this, then say, Lord, send me. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter whether anyone comes with me. It doesn't matter what my, my friends, even my Christian friends, feel or think about this. Actually, that's of no significance because I want to serve God. Lord, here I am. Send me. Mm, absolutely. So I'll just finish with the how we started uh, with your quote from the series. And uh, So here it is. Bring the message that God has given us in the way that God has gifted us, in the way that God has commissioned us. Find your calling. Be willing to be used by God. Throw yourself into it. I guarantee it's a life worth living. Thank you so much for listening. I trust that you're encouraged. I trust that it's been challenging. It's challenging from my heart as I read those stories again. Every time I read it, I say, yes, Lord, bring that fire. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe, follow, share with a housemate, share with a family member, make your dog listen to it. Um, we are loving the stories we're hearing of people sharing this to friends and man this story is in Canada this story is in America and on our podcast stats it's been viewed in Australia and so there's a wide reach uh, and obviously in Wales and so we're so thankful um, and just yeah we trust you're uh, going to have a blessed week um, and we'll see you again next time thank you so much <laughs>